of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course, the music. This week, I'm joined by the brilliant Jira Asim and Brianna Hernandez of Baby Got Backtalk. These brilliant musicians from New York bring a playful energy of pop punk and thoughtful messaging with the DIY attitude all in one space, with a central focus on delivering creativity while providing a platform for other people of color. Baby Got Backtalk is the kind of band that reminisces my favorite parts of the mid-2000s wave of pop punk, with contagious danceability matched by flexive individuality. Their messaging is crystal clear in songs like Historically White College, which highlights their open discussions on race while providing the most impactful sound. Once you listen to this band, you'll never forget them. So let's dig into the interview now with Jira and Rihanna. I would count myself among those who started out so young Searching for a voice that speaks to where I'm coming from There's a little bit of back talk, but we got baby got back talk this episode. I'm so excited to be talking to you both. Welcome, Jira and Ariana. I'm so thanks <laughs> for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Oh my goodness! Well, I'm so excited to get into this. I've been so excited ever since I got a hold of your music. It's all so energetic and so wonderful. Um, I want to get right into it. How did you each become involved in music? Why don't you go first? Okay. Um, so I started playing violin around the second grade, really young. I saw my, it was in the first grade, I saw a student teacher 
performing violin at the very end of her term. And I was just fascinated. This thing that was just, I didn't know that things, that something could produce such a sound. I was, it was enraptured. So the next year I was like, Ma, I want to play violin. She was like, all right, it's going to be not expensive. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting in second grade. I have no concept. <laughs> so got a violin, start off with a student teacher and then just did that. It just progressed from there. Um, did a lot of honors orchestras, did a lot of traveling. Played at Disney a couple of times with my orchestra. And then project kind of took off. I was like, I'm done with classical music. It's so boring. I wanted to do covers. And I started playing in like clubs occasionally for like, you know, events. And then I met Jira and then we started doing this. And I was like, fuck yeah. I've always wanted to do punk rock on violin. That's so awesome. How long were you listening to punk rock and stuff? When did you get into that? Oh, since like, since I was a baby, my dad would play like Nirvana and like really old, like, like Papa Roach. And I would know every song and every piece. And, like to this day, I still listen to that shit. And it's like, it was that. And I was like, I want to play this. And when I would start doing like covers and stuff in high school, I would start with those. So I'd be like, do come as you are. I'd look for covers online. I listened to Vitamin String Quartet a lot because that had a lot of covers. I just found out they have a Black Keys one. And I'm like, they have a Black Keys version. It's wow. Amazing. They have a they do a really good rendition of Tighten Up. I'm, it's it's really good. Shit, I'm gonna have to it's check really that out. That sounds amazing. Good. Awesome. Well, <laughs> Jira, what about you? How did you get into music? Uh, my first instrument was also violin, but I was way less good at it. <laughs> um, I wasn't good at it at all. But I had like an experience like we're on the first day of middle school orchestra where. Um, I picked up the violin and put it on my right shoulder and held the bow in my left hand. I'm not left-handed per se, but I'm like kind of weirdly ambidextrous and that was like the most intuitive way to me. And the, the teacher was like going through the room and like watching everybody and correcting their form. And when she landed on me, she was like, whoa, 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 that will not fly. <laughs> you absolutely cannot do that. Um, and it kind of broke my spirit a little bit. Because uh, I was like really juiced to be in the orchestra and I thought like, I don't know, I thought violin was going to work for me. I kind of set the tone where I was like, I sort of like never recovered from that in a way. Uh, so I gave, it, I gave it up after a year. But uh, I think later on, I started to play guitar in high school. And I think one of the, the aspects of playing guitar and specifically playing uh, rock music was this idea that doing things that were counter to convention would be welcome and celebrated and aestheticized rather than kind of like, you know, hey man, no left-handed violinist, you're ruining the, the uh, <laughs> symmetry of my orchestra. So I think in a lot of ways, um, playing guitar and bass, writing rock songs, being in a punk band is still like an elaborate revenge plot against <laughs> orchestra teacher. You picked up some other strings and you were set. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Well, I mean, clearly that motivation has gotten you somewhere because you're both doing so amazing with this band. Um, how did Baby Got Back Talk begin? How did you meet and everything start to come together? So about, I guess, three and a half, four years ago, uh, I moved from Boston to New York. 
Um, and in Boston, I had been doing a derivation of the man. We were just back talk then. And it was me and kind of like a revolving cast of three other people. But I knew I was coming to New York for grad school, so I wanted to um, basically just find a completely new lineup and, and see where that went. And Rihanna was actually the first musician I met in New York where I thought, okay, like maybe, maybe this will, maybe me and this person can kind of like breathe life into this blueprint I already had. Um, and we met at, through a, a mutual friend at a, uh, at a birthday party where... <laughs> <laughs> he tells the story way better. It's just I <laughs> well, yeah. So we were like uh, the mutual friend was the person being celebrated. Shout out to Natalia. Yo. And uh, her and I both showed up to the restaurant before the rest of the party got there. Nope. Go ahead. I'm sorry. When I think of this, and it was, we were significantly early. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Either, either we were significantly early or some people were significantly late. <laughs> we were significantly early is all I can say. So we had time to talk. So yeah, we just started rapping. She told me she was a musician and uh, she was kind of in a state of um, agitation, I think, at having to wait for the rest of the party to be there. So I, I actually had like a twofold response to that. In my mind, I was thinking, okay, this person plays violin, it'd be really cool to incorporate that sound into a punk band. Um, and two, this person has a tenacity, a fire, an intensity that I haven't really had in a bandmate before. Um, and I know that always, that probably sounds weird for Rihanna to hear, but like meeting her when she was pissed off made her a more appealing person to be in a band with. Um, Thank you. And so we recruited. I so deeply appreciate that. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you do. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I think like a band needs a certain amount of take no prisoners intensity to sound like a punk band. Um, and we all play roles and everything, but that's certainly one of Rihanna's roles. Uh, but yeah, the rest of us, Jake and Derek, are guitar player. Jake's our guitar player. He also sings uh, backing vocals. And Derek, he's our drummer. We met. We got together through Craigslist. And eventually the four of us fell together and the rest is history or something. <laughs> I love that. I love that, you know, you're so excited about your bandmates, first of all, hearing about um, hearing about just the way that you met early at a show. And then I always love Craigslist meetings for bands. I always feel like that's always such like a fun concept of like, okay, Craigslist always feels like a hit or miss when it comes to meeting people to begin with, just to like buy stuff or trade stuff. And then mm -hmm. like, here you come walking away with like really talented people to be able to make music with and obviously you've connected with in some way. So it's amazing to me. It really is because, sorry. Um, it really is because I go to sleep every night just thinking in the back of my head, like we really could have met some serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> we, when, we, <laughs> when we rehearse, it's in like, uh, when we first started rehearsing, it was in, um, the Dearly Miss Ultrasound Studios, taken over by the corporate fat cats. Anyway, um, <laughs> so it was, it was really tiny fucking studios. Like, 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 it felt like the smallest bathroom, the tiniest club in the smallest island you could possibly think of. With like, and so here we are, these people we found online. They totally could have our skins, man. Probably. <laughs> but they, they did great. <laughs> 
That works out so nice. And how were you able to start kind of building the chemistry between you all? Because I know that's not immediate. And a lot of bands, it takes time and it takes like um, finding the right ways of playing together to kind of build into the sound because you have a really great tight sound. It feels like across the board from all members of the band. So how did you kind of form that connection between each other musically? <laughs> what do you think? Um, I guess what I would, it, honestly, it's really interesting. I feel like we lucked out um, in just having the fact that we all really had a common goal of we have the same general idea of music we want to pursue and we all want to go for the same, like, we all have the same intent in terms of like deeper goal and deeper cause for why we want to do what we're doing. And honestly, once you just sit in a room and you're like, okay, look, I want, I have this idea for a sound. This is how I kind of want to do it. And you're working with someone who has the talent to replicate that. And also luckily just be very constructive in terms of how they interact and how they can convey certain musical ideas. It's really, sometimes that helps build that core like way more like i am like he said i have like a fire chassis and all those wonderful <laughs> wonderful traits like <clears throat> i can say some serious shit to him in practice and be like like really hard and maybe sometimes abrasive or aggressive and i'll never mean it in an insulting way and he'll know that but we start there and we all we have like that bond of okay we know how to talk to each other when dealing with music which is so personal um, that it just kind of makes everything really tight and we very we just happened to luck out with to meet very lovely people at the same time so it's just been really great it's been such an amazing experience working with these guys especially just we met randomly <laughs> <laughs> it was total it was total serendipity it's great I love the sound of that. And then you're like, you're able to um, share ideas. And I'm sure be very honest with each other as you're writing music too. Yeah. Um, his Jira is an extremely talented lyricist. Please jump in. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. No, I actually love that question, right? Like, I'm always <laughs> curious how bands develop chemistry because, um, I don't know. I was actually just listening to uh, the self-titled Blink album. And that's like when that came out, you know, I was a lot younger and maybe sort of took it for granted in a lot of ways. But if you really listen to songs like those analytically, you do start to wonder like, how did they think to basically come, like put those elements together in the way that they did? Like what makes uh, band members A, singing style cohere with band member B's drumming, you know? Like there's always this sort of mystery to the recipe. And I think what's cool about this band is there was some level of it that was really intuitive. Like, you know, some of it is kind of just, we started jamming and it was like, hey, you know what you're doing. This is awesome, don't we? <laughs> What's your name again? Um, but uh, the other part of it is like, I do feel like we have really constructive dialogue in this band about um, what elements we want to incorporate and, and how we want to do it. Between our last EP, um, and the latest one that's coming out on April 14th, I remember having a conversation with Jake, our guitar player, saying, like, I know you're really into math rock. I know that, like, tapping is one of your strengths. I really want to make a conscious effort for the next EP to kind of combine some of the more familiar 
punk guitar formulas with math rock. And I want to incorporate the math rock guitar with, um, we want the violin to be more present on this record than it was in the previous one. And having those conversations, uh, I think was really vital to the way the EP actually sounds. So I guess it's a long way of saying like, yeah, a component of it is intuitive, but another part is like, um, like a studied negotiation of all the different elements. And just like always trying to move towards something that's a bit more idiosyncratic than just like another punk band, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, with that being said, you know, I feel like there's so many styles of like punk, indie, math, all of that to your music. But I'm wondering kind of who do you consider to be your influences or who are you maybe listening to as you were writing your first EP? Really a lot. <laughs> I mean... What's interesting is I personally listen to a lot more, I listen to very different genres of music than the rest of the group, which um, in turn kind of makes me, when I think of how I want my parts to sound compared to everything else, I'm very like, <clears throat> excuse me. I try to find sounds that don't, so I listen to a lot of Taylor Paula and I'm kind of listening to a lot of Grizzly Bear and love Grizzly, that's one of my favorite bands. I try and take a lot of their like, weird overtones, that's, yeah, that's, like that's true. <laughs> um, they're weird kind of, the way they pattern their songs together, the way they set their layers and then they have different notes and blend everything together. I try and take those strange sounds and bring it more to the band and I feel like that contributes to how more melodic it'll sound. For example, Fever is very very different than their entire rest of the album and i had like i was very conscious of how i wanted my part to sound compared to everything and i'm not really sure if i answered your question properly <laughs> yeah you did you did <laughs> i love it it's been great working with these guys honestly he she has fantastic lyrics um i think he's a great writer and um it what else do you listen to? I know you can listen to me. You always listen to Valencia. It's always a conjunction. It's like a running thing. Valencia, Valencia this. Let's do this now. Let's do this Go on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's become like a punchline, but Jake and I are both big fans of Valencia, who are from your town. I don't know if you had any experience with them when they were here. Um, a little bit here and there, just hearing the name, but I wasn't, I wasn't as directly tapped into that band now. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Jason, one of their music videos, even in like the crowd or something like that, it might be carry on, but don't quote me. What? Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he said there's like a crowd shot of him in carry on, but I'm not Jeez. positive. Yeah. Yeah. He's told you, you just tuned it up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're so a sorry, Jake. They are a band that we uh, take a lot of influence from and enjoy, but I think on the first EP, I was, you know, there had been other backtalk music prior to that one, but I was really like looking to take a step forward um, to begin to incorporate the violin more thoughtfully. And uh, I was thinking a lot about a folk punk band called Defiance Ohio, mm. who been active in a few years. But uh, I always liked the kind of mix of a sort of um, roughly hewn, unpolished punk sensibility with like orchestral arrangements. Um, so they have, I think, cello and violin. Yeah. So I was kind of like, well, what if we sort of like took that folk punk um, recipe, but we're maybe like a little heavier on the pop side and had 
crunchier guitars with it. Um, and I don't think that's what we achieved, but it is kind of what I had in mind, you know? Yeah, I definitely get a lot of like the, um, the stringed elements that you mentioned and stuff. I feel like that, um, the little bit of like the most the grizzly bear influence I can hear a little bit, especially. And then like, um, being able to kind of just picture that, like almost like folk punk sensibility to it. Um, it's definitely present, but you have the energy of like, I feel in many ways and correct me if I'm wrong, like a very strong pop punk band in that sense, because the entire time I can consistently like just ride a mental high listening to your music. I'm like, Oh, this is exciting. I'm bobbing my head along. I'm moving. And it's not like, it's not like I'm just sitting there the way that I have in the past with some like pop punk bands where it's like, Oh yeah, this is fine. It's like, Oh no, this is catchy as hell is all I can think the entire time listening to that EP. So like, um, your influences, you're picking great ones clearly because it's creating something really magical and energetic. So I love it. That's awesome That's to hear. Really... What was like maybe your favorite song to write on that EP? <laughs> why is that? What, why was Fever your favorite? Um... Don't whisper. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> Fever was my favorite because it was the first song I actually could hear the lyrics to um, in all the songs. And um, I feel like with that one, I took more of a liberty and really had to think about how, I had to think about actually making a part that was going to be very prominent and kind of like always in the background of the song. And I hadn't really done that before. And I kind of just really made up the entire thing like on one day out of stress like I gotta come up with a part like right now and it was the it just it was nice to like feel like I had like a really like nice prominent spot in it it was also something that was pushed not like pushed but like really like really like well supported by everyone else like you should have like more of a presence and like we want to push that and it was nice because like Violet was always like oh pretty effect well, like I'm like a bird or something in an orchestra or some shit. I'm always a, I'm always a fucking bird or a fairy or some like hoity toity. Seriously, like like actually like actually you know when you think of like Christmas, yeah. songs, like a fairy song, I'm like a fairy dance, and that's perfectly fine. But like I'm like, I don't like that. I want to be like I don't know. You want to be a goddamn punk? Yeah. Like, I want to be heard and. I so I got to the point and that was fucking great. No, I love it. And, you know, I have to say truthfully, your part always stands out to me. Maybe it's because I'm used to listening for like cellos and guitars now and like playing together. Um, I'm a fan of a lot of bands up there. Another band that plays up by you, um, Early Riser. Um, they, they have the cello with kind of sensibility with their music. And so like I've gotten to grow to have an ear for listening for that. So for me, whenever I hear your violin, I'm like, oh, oh, this is amazing. Like instantly it grabs my attention. It's like, oh, that, there's your voice. There's your voice right there. So that's just my habit now, I guess. I mean, I hope everybody's like that, but absolutely. I can hear it and it's astounding. I love it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. <laughs> it really like, sorry. It's just, oh, I'm at a loss of words. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite song to write? Uh, I mean, I probably would say Backbone. I think once we got that song together, I felt like, okay, now we have like a four song collection that has some uh, cohesion to it. 
sometimes like it's one composition that makes everything else feel like they belong together. For whatever reason, Backbone was, Backbone was that song for me. Um, and I think one thing that's really cool about it is it's kind of like playing on this trope in the genre of, you know, kind of a, a boy-girl narrative, right? Where a boy is the speaker in the song and he's celebrating a woman or whatever. But usually when that happens, it becomes something, some like celebration of hair, eyes, in some cases, a backside, right? And we kind of wanted to invert that trope and have the song celebrate a sensibility. Um, so backbone of the song is kind of like a metaphor for a, a certain kind of radical political consciousness. So instead of it being like the speaker um, lionizing the subject of the song based on how she looks, it's saying, uh, I admire that you've got this kind of consciousness. And in fact, um, instead of it being like a thing that makes me uncomfortable, it's something that uh, draws me to. Yeah, because you're not like, lyrically, you're not sexualizing this person and you're not like focusing simply on their like gender or identity. I feel like lyrically, you do a really great job of like bringing together so many more aspects. And then I feel like you full, you like thoroughly subverted it. I feel like with that like, Nicki Minaj cut <laughs> with the Anaconda. First of all, I, the first time I heard that, I'm like, holy fuck, they went there. And I love it. <laughs> I also love that part. I'm glad you caught that part, <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. I was like, it's impossible. It's like, if you love, like, you know, that, like, good pop music that people listen to, it's just kind of like, oh, shit, you'll catch these little references here and there. And it's just, and it's so intelligently done I feel like because it's like if you're listening to the music if you're really processing it the way that I feel like you intended lyrically you're gonna catch that and you're gonna be like oh my gosh it just went to like the next level yeah yeah that's the goal <laughs> uh well it was sort of like a there was a, a definite sort of necessity of invention there because uh fun fact the subject of the song is the great-granddaughter of Egypt's first feminist. Hmm. And so I kind of threw that inversion of the, of the Nicki Minaj line in there, which is also itself a reference to Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yeah. To kind of say like, hey, um, I recognize this lineage that you're coming from, and uh, I think it's really cool. Yeah, at that point, it's, like, it's all about respect, I feel like, at the end of the day, and I love it so much. That's such a great song. Could it be, could it be, you know, a bit of an angry girl anthem, we could say? I would say so. Seems to, see, there's definitely like some kind of coherence of aesthetic there between <laughs> and your podcast. I would say. <laughs> I, I am down for it, man. I, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, I feel like there is so much intention that you have within your music, not only in like, how you've written it, but also how you share it. Um, like the first time that we kind of started speaking and stuff and as we were planning the podcast, you mentioned that you're making a point of working with people of color, especially women of color, as you're putting out and sharing this new EP as well. I mean, you're working with people for the music video and the mini documentary. Um, we can both obviously agree that there's like, you're, there's totally the ability to create more opportunities for diversity for people of color and, um, and non-men and such, but can you talk a little bit about your motivations and how um, you came to this conclusion for especially the CP? 
Yeah, for sure. Do you want to speak to that, Rihanna? I yeah. Um, I mean, I had this so well planned out, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, being a you know. Growing up, and I frequently discussed this with Jira and frankly, like, harped on and on about it, about how I've always felt um, as a minority, you know, like, the, I've always been the minority in every really large group I've been in. I've always, always the person of color in my orchestras outside of school all the time. I was always one of very few, like, I'm, all, I'm one of very few women at my job, my current job right now. And, you know, I've kind of, like, grown used to that, but I've also you know, heard like, you're, you don't have enough of these qualities to be put into this certain racial category and, you know, vice versa from, from family, you know, occasionally. And, you know, it kind of, you know, growing up in that environment of you don't belong anywhere and therefore what are you, mm -hmm. it's very important that I, you know, I, it's important to me that I pursue to set a clear the main goal I have to promote this EP and what I have and what we've done previously is just to show like people of color especially women of color you can infiltrate these quote-unquote places of you're not allowed to be in and you can absolutely progress and you can listen to punk rock and not feel ostracized and you can listen to fucking k-pop and bangra and watch anime and learn a different language that may not fit your quote unquote like racial identity or that you're you know people perceive you to be and that's perfectly fine and you should even try and do that try and expand and like get in there listen to what you want share what you're doing and realize that there are opportunities way beyond what we're quote unquote supposed to be doing and that's what i want that's what i was conscious of when I was writing everything, when I was like collaborating, we were talking and how we wanted things to sound, how we wanted certain things to be three. But that, that's my goal in mind. Like, that you can do it. Like, fuck that. You can get in that shit. You can do what you want. And now I'm getting really upset. Like, not upset, but I'm getting like excited because I hope that, you know, like young girls, like people who are, you know, may have also grown up not knowing where they're supposed to be doing or is, am I right for liking the certain things or feeling that they can't do pursue certain careers it's just like no fuck that shit you can do whatever you want and you can be amazing at it and you can completely just shatter all the expectations that are held on you and rule and that's important to me yeah i can see that i'm very like i feel like right in the face about it. i'm like ugh. well it's hard to not have emotion when it comes to that because like you know i feel like especially for our generation and i imagine very much so for generations previous, it's like it was hard to see yourself in something outside of like the cultural expectations. So like um, you kind of feel like, oh, you know, punk rock is a white people thing sometimes, mm -hmm. or it's something that doesn't make space for people of color or even non-men in that sense. So to be able to use your platform to enable people who are not the status quo and create more spaces, more opportunities so that others can see themselves in that role is so important. So like, you know, making sure that there is visibility for like black women and black men to be in punk rock or contribute to that scene through like video and photo and any sort of like capacity is just so important. And 
I feel, uh, I know I'm going a little bit on a tangent myself. I can't help it because you just got me so excited, but like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's nice to be able to see and expose so many more people out there who are subverting what was once considered the norm. Exactly. It's, it's awesome. And I love that you share that passion too. I'm like, yes, yes, let's keep going. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> when, um, I started my job. I always said there was like a, you know, I always said, you know, one day, I don't care, I'm gonna come in here, I'm gonna wear a tie, I'm gonna have a really nice fancy shirt, you know, fancy shirts with the initials on it, I'm gonna have a really nice fossil watch that isn't exactly the quote, from the quote unquote women's section, and I'm gonna wear, you know, wear your clothes and wear it better, and I'm gonna be doing better as I do it. <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> And I love that. It's just, and it's just a silly little thing, but it's like that kind of motivation. Like, I can be the minority and still kill it. Yeah. I'm I sure mean, that's kind of like, I mean, that's sort of the thinking behind specifically um, the choices we made in terms of who to work with uh, for the music video and for the e mini doc on our EP that we have coming out sometime this month. Um, we worked with. Uh, some really talented friends, some really talented up-and-coming women of color who um, are photographers and directors. Sarah Alley directed the music video for I Guess This Is Glowing Up, which um, is coming to an internet near you, maybe around the time that this episode runs. Um, oh, yeah. He's really awesome. She's done some photography for a, band, uh, a New York punk band called Violent in Black, and hopefully she'll be doing more uh, direction and photography for us. You should check her out. Anyone who's listening to this, um, sarahalley.com. Lots of good stuff. She's fantastic taste in, in music. Ooh. Not just because she likes us either. No. <laughs> that I mean, hurt. It's kind of proof already, considering she works with you, so she's got to be fantastic. She knows something, yeah. right? <laughs> and then for our, our doc, uh, we are really grateful to Rita Benslamin and Sukena Alawi for like writing the questions and interviewing us and taking shots of our shows at um, particularly one of the Delancey in January or February, I think, and cutting it together and making this really uh, excellent looking, like I said, mini documentary about Up and Open Arms, our new album. So if you're in a band and you're doing something similar, you should absolutely reach out to any of those three they're all really talented and you know as you mentioned they're people from groups that are not traditionally well represented in punk and i think there's like very easy um and mutually beneficial ways to remedy that and and we really want to be a band that encourages other bands to kind of think outside the box and hire some diverse candidates um when making these kinds of things right like it's one thing to book festivals with an eye, or book bills, I guess, with an eye on diversity. Um, that's cool, but it's also great to think about, like, well, there's lots of different things that go into music or a band's presentation of itself, and the kinds of people you choose to put on your team should also reflect some kind of consideration for uh, inviting people to the floor who aren't always in. So, um, and so hopefully that's something we can kind of continue to do is uh, empower as you mentioned, non-men and POC to do cool stuff in punk while we do it, you know? Yeah, because at that point, it's like, I feel like the real change happens whenever you impact more than just one section of the scene. Like, 
I, of course, want to see diverse bills and stuff whenever it comes to going to a show, but it's so much more than that. Like, who's doing your PR? Are you working with somebody who represents you, or are you working with somebody who's just going to kind of keep the same system going at that point? And, like, all aspects, you know, who's contributing to, like, your photo and video. Like, you're very conscious of that, and that was, like, one of the things that, like, when you sent me that information, I was like, oh, my gosh, this sand is the real deal. You're very conscious beyond just your music and it just shows so much. So thank you for everything you're doing because that, that's the kind of stuff I want to see grow in the scene. Yeah, it's cool to be like given a platform to talk about that. So thank yeah. you to you too, you know. <laughs> uh, hopefully you're, I mean, I think based on some of your prior episodes, your listenership is people who are beginning to think, at the very least, beginning to think radically about these sorts of things. But anything we can do to, to enhance that conversation, we're all for it. That's awesome. Um, so to kind of switch gears, because I haven't seen the mini doc yet, can you talk a little bit about like your live show and what does that feel like to you? Can you kind of describe it to me? Um, our live shows, um, I honestly love our live shows. I think they're really interactive. We try and really get a, our main focus is a lot of audience interaction. We're always trying to find different ways to draw them in while also making our main, you know, quote unquote, goal in mind still prominent. Um, my absolute favorite, which is the Fashions and High Five. So um, part of our show is right before, actually right before one of our songs, we kind of sit, Jira and Jade, we're like, okay, you're gonna make a friend and <laughs> turn, the no, even. turn to the person next to you. Actually, you do it. Let's do it for actual effect. You Hell do yeah. It. Do no, it. You're doing a fine job. Uh, <laughs> Take us home. Take us home. All right. For the, for the live version, the best version, come see us live. Um, <laughs> so, so he's like, all right, in my, you're going to make turn to your left, make a friend, make eye contact. You're going to kind of three. You're gonna high five that person and say fuck fascism. We get a drum roll, and we're like one, two, three, and then we just hop, fuck fascism. Really Hell like, yeah. the song, like nothing happened. Just continue the flow. And it's just it, I like that. I like like getting audience excited and like what we wanna say and what we wanna present. And I like actually getting to say that. And it's been really fun because I got to say that at Columbia University and that shit was sick. Oh my God! I forgot about that. That's we true. got to say fuck fascism at Columbia motherfucking university. I was like, yes! I was so hyped. Oh my gosh, I, I would too. So hyped. Because that was the only time I was ever going to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> In an acceptable fashion. Yeah, it's like, I mean, we're always sort of looking for ways to get people to um, not just engage directly with us, but with other people in the audience. Um, and just kind of experience the room as some kind of haven or escape from whatever their banal existence is, right? Like, I always think about um, Ground Zero for me in, in rock music and, and definitely in punk specifically is uh, Operation Ivy, that band I care about a lot and talk about too much. Nice. <laughs> uh -huh. Nah. And yeah, but you know, we cool. They have a thing in their liner notes on um, the only flowing album they have, Energy, where the singer is basically talking about how 
the cool thing about a punk show is at moments, it feels like a microcosm for, I think the quote is a reconciled world, right? So it, the people in a room for a given show can experience a kind of connectivity or recognition of their own interdependence that we'd all like to see uh, on a global scale. But for those moments in the pit at the show, um, we're achieving this kind of uh, harmonious coexistence that like maybe people usually see as a pipe dream. And so I think at our shows, that's something we're always trying to approach, like this kind of sublime um, at the risk of sounding really, really pretentious transcendence, right? Like some kind, some moment of um, connection that's, that's just, it works as an antidote to kind of like all the other daily bullshit that people uh, bring with them, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, we're just like a band on a stage playing songs, telling people to yell fuck fascism and high five each other. <laughs> but uh, we're hoping at least for a few moments at a time, we're, we're kind of achieving something more than that. I believe it. Because at that point, you're kind of forcing like that momentary connectivity that some of these people are going to walk out of that room and maybe they did make that real friend at your show. Or like, you know, they're going to go talk to them about how much they fucking hate fascism right after. And they might buy that person a beer later or whatever. So it's like, I feel like you have the ability if you have that sort of presence at a show to kind of make your messaging go so much further. So it's nice to know that you're like pushing for, you know, that momentary escape, but it might become a permanent escape for some folks if they walk away with somebody that they feel connected to. Yeah, we had a, a moment um, in the studio in December that was kind of resonant with that. I think we were in the middle of a, a gang vocal take and our producer suddenly paused um, because there was like a distracting noise going on in the studio next door. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh man, it's that dude, the guy who like rents a space next to us. Uh, he just makes, he just goes in there and makes a bunch of random noises like a total asshole. And I was like, wow, what is, what's the purpose of that? And then our producer says, well, I think he does it as like a cathartic thing, right? I think this is his way of uh, not killing people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, and my, my mood kind of changed. Like at first I felt resentful towards this person for like messing up the recording session. But then when the producer pointed out like, oh, this is something he's doing to cope. I was like, oh man, I actually sympathize with this person. And while I'm having that thought, Rihanna goes, so that's what he does not to kill people. And this is what we do not to kill people. <laughs> so I think like the live show is sort of trying like to, to transmit that to the audience, like give them something that same kind of release that will help them not kill people. <laughs> Just a circuit of, of non-murder. That, that's where, that's where Amanda is. I love it. And you know what? I have to say, a good live punk show does that for me. It makes me not want to kill people. So keep it up. It, it works. That stuff is very helpful. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, do you have a favorite song you like to play live? Hmm. Um, I don't know. What's your favorite? I always got. <laughs> That's so tough. Oh. Well, we're playing, uh, we're just now starting to play a song that everybody's been itching to play live for about four months. Oh, oh. Yeah. We actually haven't played it yet. We're playing it off this Saturday 
at the bitter end and probably forever more after called guilty of being tight. Um, it's just like, it has like a long extended jam at the end. And most of our songs are really concise. And I think Derek and Jake are like always really excited to stretch out a little bit and play a little longer because I'm the guy in the band. He's always like, punk songs shouldn't be more than three and a half minutes ever. <laughs> um, and I'm a bit draconian, they say, in that respect. So <laughs> that song is like uh, the, the, the rare reprieve from my insistence on conciseness. And that does make it fun. I do really enjoy playing that song. And because I want to not spoil anything, I just want to say absolutely nothing about it. But it's just fucking great. It's fucking great. It's a song that, without spoiling it, is... You can't spoil a song by talking about it. You never know. You never know. Maybe there's a psychic who, like, reads minds through podcasts. We don't find it. Maybe things would happen. We don't know what Facebook did. Anyway. (laughs) I want that skill if it exists. It I'm gonna find a way to mark. We, someone's gonna find a way to market that shit. <laughs> That's horrifying. It is <laughs> very black here, but anyway, um, it's just it's a piece that we've ne- it's something we in that's created in a way that we've never attempted before, and I'm really excited that it came out so successfully because it did. Well, yeah, we'll let uh, our audience be the judge of whether it's successful, but, but Rihanna would vote that it's successful. I would vote that it's successful. I'm sure it will be. I'm very excited to be able to get my ears on uh, so much of your new music. Um, it should be amazing. And it seems like, obviously, putting out the CP is going to be a huge accomplishment, but you both are pretty accomplished based off of what, um, what Jira told me about you. I mean, the whole MFA writing program at Columbia, with your goal being now your PhD at in American studies and stuff. And then you've got Rihanna over here as the nerd academic. Can you talk a little bit about that? God. Please, you first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this is funny because of what we were talking about earlier where Rihanna just asked me what my job is after knowing me for two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're that smart then. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not that it's like too complicated. It's like, I don't think she knew that they paid people to do what I do. <laughs> she thought I was, I don't know, subsisting off Ritz crackers or something, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You just exist. Yeah. I mean, well, so right now I'm finishing up a two-year uh, teaching fellowship at Columbia where I teach um, basically the equivalent of freshman comp. Uh, I did two years of coursework in their MFA writing program where I was studying nonfiction writing specifically. And then after those two years was up, I uh, taught four semesters of, like I said, it's called university writing, but it's like fresh, freshman comp. And so a lot of Baby Got Back Talks development has kind of paralleled um, my time in the university classroom as an instructor. But yeah, the conversation me and Rihanna were having was basically like, this whole time I've been teaching this class, I think she uh, was like getting community service hours or something. And I explained, <laughs> no, that's actually how I pay my bills. Uh, so when we're not working on stuff, I'm like grading papers. Here. Okay, let me clarify. I said internship. <laughs> 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 it doesn't make it any better, but like, 
They're about the same. You still have to do your time. <laughs> All right. same. I agree. And in New York City, spending that much time working for free would be it sounds like a trust fund kid situation that I'm not fortunate enough to have, but yeah, it's just been cool to find out that like teaching and being in a rock band are sort of mutually reinforcing uh, lifestyles, which I think surprises a lot of people, but there's um, teaching very much is performance. And uh, ideally there's something educational about rock music as well. Uh, I remember reading this quote. I'm a really big fan of the band Jawbreaker. I was super stoked that they reunited this year. Um, the singer. For more. <laughs> Fingers crossed for more. <laughs> a little ha- I don't think bands stay broken up anymore. I think that's like a, a, a thing of a bygone era now. I love it. <laughs> it's I'm down for it too. But you kind of distrust any breakup now. Like that's when true. I, you're band break up. I'm like, okay. Four years later, they're going to go on the 10-year anniversary. It's like, a, it's like a hiatus more than anything. And people use that language more, too. Mm-hmm. Like, we're taking a hiatus. <laughs> They'll come back in, like, four or five years. We're going to do some other stuff, and then we're going to have a cash grab when someone has a mortgage payment due. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just admit it. True. But uh, what were you going to say about Jawbreaker? <laughs> yeah. The singer used to teach English at Hunter College, I think. Um, I don't know, he had this quote like that I read when I was much younger where he was like, at a certain point, a show and a university classroom are actually quite similar. They can both be expansive and illuminating or narrow and stupid. Uh, and that has always kind of, the awareness of that symmetry has always kind of influenced how I approach teaching and how I approach being in a band. And also just like knowing that other, I guess, um, people in the scene have sort of uh, navigated the intersection of those two worlds has always been kind of inspiring to me too. I like it. You can be the badass uh, doctor when you're done with school here and you'll also be the badass person in a punk band. So that's going to be a pretty awesome resume to be carrying. Like I can't, I can't wait until your students figure it out at some point too. <laughs> that I, I don't look forward to that, but I, I can understand why you would. I would love to be the student in that classroom. It's like, oh shit, my professor is like in this awesome band. <laughs> yeah, I would enjoy that as a student. I don't know about as a professor. <laughs> I don't know if you can take my like grade seriously if you heard me yelling fuck fascism in a club on the weekend. I might take you more seriously than myself, but <laughs> I guess it depends, yeah. It depends on- <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Well, I I wish you all the luck in pursuing all that. I know it's a lot of work being in school and obviously running a band as well is plenty of work. It's also a lot of fun, but you put a lot into it. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, that luck our luck won't run out. We can keep them keep them both going. That's awesome. Well, you know, one of the questions I like to ask is, um, and this is kind of starting to shift things a little bit is I like to ask every single one of my guests, you know, if you could play with any three bands, artists, whichever, you can either bring them back from the dead or they can be active right now. You get call it your own mini festival. Which three would you like to play with? And you can both answer this. They don't have to be the same answers. I think they have drastically different answers. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, like with them, like in the band playing a song with them or like playing on the same bill as them? It can be both. I've had, I've actually, one of the bands I talked to recently, Frequency Within, one of the members literally inserted themselves in every single band. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. And, and one person, was, and then others are just like, we'll go on tour with these bands, so. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna, I know which band I definitely want to play with. I definitely want to play with Grizzly Bear. Like, in the band. I think I might actually, and then after that, I can, I can say, I can just die. I'd be fine. <laughs> like, look, I'd be just, just, Anyway, um, definitely Grizzly Bear. I would love to go on tour with Tame Impala. Because Tame Impala is just one person with many orchestras, many other um, people, because he just writes the music. And I would bring Nirvana back for the dead to play in the band. Ooh, you would really spice it up, honestly. I would, oh my gosh. I gotta think about it. Damn. <laughs> that could be really great. I feel like that's what Nirvana was missing was a violin. Great. It was like that last bit. I can just just... all the strings and just, oh, it'd be great. <laughs> they do that. There's a piece that does that. Now I'm going to be super classical nerd. Dance Macabre, you have to, t oh God, I hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> um, Dance Macabre, you have to tune the E string like down a half step so it's like E flat. You need to play the whole song. There's just one violin. It's like the principal violin. And nerd moment. <laughs> I love it. Nerdiness is welcome here. This is a space that encourages nerdiness. So please, I love it. <laughs> I don't know what you said to her about nerdy, nerd, whatever. You yeah. owned it, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your three. What I, I think uh, we'd have to have, we'd have to play with the Ramones. I would. I don't want to be in the Ramones. I just want our band to open for them. That's, um, that's a good one. I'd want to be in Prince's band. I mean, mm -hmm. he could be on the bill, but I'd have to play with him as well. <laughs> um, I mean, let's see. Third person. I'm going to say Mariah Carey as the third act. Because that would be crazy to have Baby Got Back. So I'm backing Mariah Carey. Oh, fuck. Mariah on vocals, the rest of us on our instruments. That could be very interesting. And she would acknowledge us, and she'd just go on and play, and then do her own thing. I can deal with that. I just want to play Always Be My Baby in double time with, like, a punk beat. Always be my baby. That, that would one, be sweet. Now I want to do it. Just to see what happens. Can you do a cover of this at a show and, like, record it for me, or I can somehow be there, because that would make me so happy. It's worth a shot. It's yeah. worth a shot. I mean, I'm, I'd, I would commit to it if we knew Mariah would sing it. <laughs> like it was, I would have to sing it. I, I, it's nicer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, the fun part about this question for me has always been like, well, I'm going to put it out to the universe that some of these things happen to you because I always want the best for the bands that I have the pleasure of interacting with and stuff. So... I don't know. I'm hoping that just somehow Mariah just reaches out. I feel like she's very unpredictable, so it could happen. It's true. Don't rule it out. Yeah. I never rule any of that out. Um, <laughs> what are some things that you would like to accomplish with Baby Got Back Talk? Like any goals that you have? Yeah. Well, you know, something we've been talking about is like sort of the whole. Uh, the, the, I mean, there's like a. 
a sort of consensus that the the average attention span in 2018 has uh, compressed a whole lot. So there's always this question of how do you release music? Like, is the full length album on its way out? Um, are EPs the way to go because they're digestible? Maybe you just want to do a single a month. I think a simple benchmark for our band would just be to get to a point where we could release 10 or 12 songs at once and be reasonably assured that people would stick with it. Um, so I think like, you know, right now we're on our technically third, maybe second, depending on how you look at it, EP. Um, just like a, a sort of mile marker we'd like to hit is recording a full length album and kind of making a sturdy, cohesive statement. Uh, that's a goal we might like, you know, reach sooner than later. So it's not exactly the ceiling, but I do think it's a next step. Sounds awesome. Well, I know that I would enjoy 10 to 12 songs with y'all back to back to back. I, I still enjoy consuming a full length record and stuff. So sign me up when the time comes. I feel like you're going to have a lot of really great things to both play and say with your music. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm still a fan of listening to full lengths as well, but... I don't know. My, I have uh, two siblings who are ten, more than 10 years younger than I am. Mm. And they're, the idea of a full-length album is like, it's like talking about living in a cave to them. It's <laughs> utterly archaic. What about you in terms of goals? Goals for the band. Or your solo album, you know. <laughs> <laughs> don't let us limit you. No. <laughs> It's a show. I don't even think I can go so I just like to meet you guys. But um, goals for the band. I really, beyond spreading the message of the, you know, just trying to be vocal and, you know, decolonizing pop punk as a genre and making it more accessible for men and every, everything, like literally everything existing ever um, to be super inclusive. That's one giant goal. Um, on a really personal, <laughs> very like kind of shallow level, I super want to stuff like a giant bench, of course, like just one. And um, <laughs> but just to continue, just to be able to continue doing this, whether it be in this um, capacity, whether it be more prominently, but of course more prominently, we prefer just to continue like making our music more accessible to everyone and making our message more accessible and being like a driving force for just make. Um, being a driving force in promoting, like I said, just reopening the genre of pop punk to include everyone and to also Actually, I, I can think of a way you could give us a goal. Okay. A word or pair of words that you've never heard in the chorus of a song that oh. you'd like to hear. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> Give us like a prompt, you know? <laughs> I may have to marinate on that one. Oh my goodness. Take your time. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever it is. We marinated for sure. <laughs> on so something that I haven't heard before. Um, you're like, man, it's about time someone rhymed. Rhymed? <laughs> I don't know. I loved the whole, like, I saw your shirt, by the way, the decolonized pop punk. I think I would just like to see that sentiment just, like, fucking 
slammed within the chorus of a song, just like freaking just outright saying it, screaming it, whatever. Cause that's the sentiment that just like resonated with me outside of like the music itself. I remember I saw that I was like, holy shit, this band's going to change the world is all I can think because it just changed me in like a second, just looking at that. So I don't know, something along those lines, I'd just like to have it just blatant would be so much fun to scream. Cause I mean, I think about songs like the opener by Camp Cope, where it's very aggressively pointing out the fact that like, you know, people are condescending and terrible to women trying to book shows and trying to participate in the scene. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like your band has that voice. So that'd be really awesome to hear you just fucking screaming about like decolonizing pop punk, which is the, the most powerful shit I think I would have ever heard. I want to lead a, I want our band to lead a, be the start of a movement, honestly, which is so necessary with what's going on with all the, other giant movements that absolutely needed to motherfucking happen. Like, come on, let's be serious. And being a part of such a group that really champions the goals that we're trying to also promote, like who we work with, who, how we interact with each other, how we present ourselves to the world. It would be great to just know that we had a driving force and driving like impact and starting that and beginning that conversation because it's something that it's time to have that talk. It's no, we can't, you can't put it away anymore. It just needs to, this is beyond just pop punk. It's really like everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like music as a whole, it's presence across all industries, truly. Exactly. I mean, and this just, we're doing it in a way that just so happens to be very fucking cool. Very fucking cool and very fucking yeah, fun. Music can do anything. Like, everyone can be connected. It's just such a, it's the quote-unquote universal language of just everyone can hear and they relate to it in some shape or form. And that's what we'd like to press. Well, you definitely have made that impression on me as a listener and as somebody who's had the absolute blast talking to you about all this. So your mission is working and I can't wait for more ears to hear it. It's amazing. And I love everything you're doing. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, where can everybody keep up with baby got back talk on the internet? Well, we're on Instagram at baby at baby got back talk. Um, that's our Instagram handle. You can also find us at babygotbacktalk.com. We are also on Facebook. If you search baby got back talk, not to be confused with your mix lot. <laughs> but baby got back talk. You can also get our drummer Derek's phone number if you ask him for it. Just say <laughs> another way to keep up with us. <laughs> I don't know if he'd mind. He might. that's awesome i love it well somebody's gonna have to take up that challenge like hitting you up on social media or something see and see if they actually get it i look forward to it and so does derek more importantly (laughs) by the same token uh we really enjoy your podcast uh you've had some really awesome bands so far i was like surprised to find out how many bands that i like have are already alums of this podcast so we'll keep on keeping on if you do the same absolutely i'm glad to add you to the uh, alum roster <laughs> yeah yeah we're stoked to be on it we're in good company <laughs> well thank you so much everybody's gonna have to make sure that they download stream by all your music because this is this is amazing april 14th up and open arms is out digitally and june 1st it'll be out physically uh we're headlining the delancey if you're in new york or if anyone else is in new york um on june 1st and you can get a tape of up and open arms then 
if you haven't already downloaded it um, in April. <laughs> That's so awesome. Come hang at the, uh, at the Delancey if you're able, everyone in cyberspace. Do it. This is band's awesome. Listen, support, stream, buy, do all of it. Check out their shows. <laughs> but they say I'm welcome. The kids are polite, so I don't tell them. Every now and then, I feel like an alien. It's what I need for bridge at a store. Feel like It's Monday morning, read the class list They're gonna need some extra practice Saying your name so the frat kid In your midst whisper terrorist And you're jotting me up your mind If you're gonna hear up this time If you wanna discuss this sense of injustice You've come to the wrong place The kids are alright but they say I'm welcome All it means is that they went green Then you shot me up your mind If you wanna hear up this time If you wanna discuss this sense of injustice You've come to It's alright when they say I'm welcome It's alright so I don't get tell But they say I'm welcome The kids are polite so I don't dare tell them Every now and then I feel like an alien It's blood underneath the bridge Talk. Thank you so much to Jira and Rihanna for sharing their experiences in music and what they're aspiring to next. I'm so excited for all that's next for them, including that festival slot at Punk Island. I've heard nothing but good things, so best of luck, and I'm so excited for you. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and Google Play. 
also on Overcast and really anywhere that you can stream podcasts at this point. Um, make sure that you send me some reviews. I would love to hear from you. Let me know how I'm doing. If there's any artists that you have in mind that you think I should be talking to, let's see if I can convince them to be on the pod. Also, with that being said, I also take submissions. Please write to me. Send me an email at angergirlmusic at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you about the project you're working on in music. You know, this podcast is so welcoming and inclusive to non-men, um, LGBTQI+, plus, uh, people of color, anybody who is out there who's basically not a cis white dude, please reach out to me. I want to talk to you about everything you're doing in music, whether you are a musician yourself, a photographer, a writer, uh, somebody who's booking shows, uh, who runs a really cool nonprofit. Hit me up. I want to showcase your work. Let's give you a bigger platform. So until next time, stay angry and soak up the excellence that is Baby Got Back Talk. On the sweetest sugar high, she had lips like
that I tried my best to break Could you be a keeper But I won't start this mistake Oh, God.